fighting for freedom every day. You as the individual, you have the power. You don't have to join a union. You go in as an entry-level position. You get the experience that you need. And then as you work up, you get better at your job, which means they pay you more. If they don't pay you more, then you go to another company to show what you've learned and what your value is to where you can get more. If they really don't like that, then you can go and start your own damn business because we have a free market laissez-faire capitalist society allegedly, to where you can actually go off and do your own thing. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Darn right it is. Welcome into the program. We are ready to rock and roll for a whole nother day. The greatest day of the entire week, the pre-Friday celebration. That's what we celebrate here on the show each and every day. Welcome in. This is the Voice of Reason. I am Andy Hoosier broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas on our flagship radio station all over the country, multiple radio stations, TV, live streaming, and podcasting, however you watch or listen to the show. Welcome aboard. We love you to death. Your millennial general reporting for duty like we do every single day. Big show lined up today, as usual. I don't know why I have to tease that because every day is a big day for us here. Every day is a day of outstanding broadcasting or at least an attempted level of outstanding broadcasting to do the best we can. Bottom of the hour, we have William Doyle. He is a documentary producer, also an author. Author of the book Titan of the Senate is his latest one. A book regarding on Orrin Hatch. Remember that guy? Pro tem speaker of the U.S. Senate back in the day during the Reagan administration and beyond. And we'll talk about how things were politically then compared to now. Bipartisanship working together the partisan bickering that happened back then compared to what's going on now we'll talk about the differences and have a fun uh track down memory lane for those that may have been involved and remember uh the times that were back in the day so we'll get to all that here in just a little bit we have some weird news that we'll get to in a second as well but first i have to say i love the fact that i can come on and give you some good news because in the world of politics it's very doom and gloom at times it's very angering it's very frustrating it's very annoying at times and sometimes we just don't get good Good news, which makes me sad. But today I am here to say, if you are a Republican, if you are a MAGA supporter, if you are a conservative, if you are a constitutionalist, if you are one that wants the country to get back on track in a constitutional original manner and get rid of the elites and get rid of the, uh, I, I guess almost in the sense of purifying the Republican Party, I hate to use that word purifying, though, because we're not trying to be purists at all. We just we want an umbrella, but we also want to hold on to our values. Well, today is another day where we can say, ha, we've been able to take another leap forward in accomplishing the cleansing of the Republican Party. And again, kind of a dirty word. but hey, Here's what I mean. I don't again, I don't like to use purifying or cleansing because, again, we're not purists. We like the white umbrella of ideas as long as they fall within Republican values. I mean, what a crazy concept. You join the Republican Party to have Republican values. Just north of us, where I'm based out of here in Wichita, Kansas, in the great state of Nebraska, there has been one guy that's just been a stickler within the Republican Party who claims to be Republican, but doesn't have very many Republican values. And his name is Ben Sass. And I'm here to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that as of today... The news has broke that Ben Sass is moving on out. Again, can we play it again? Let's play it again. Why not? <laughs> Why, Andy? Well, according to Politico.com, he said that he has accepted the position of president of the University of Florida and is resigning his seat in the Senate in the near future, according to those that are close to the Nebraska Republican Party. I think that he has been working to find his way out the door. I mean, who would, just to be honest, Maybe it pays more. 
That would be my only other assumption. But who in the world would resign from the U.S. Senate to be part of a presidency of a university when you're in Washington, D.C., doing what you do? The only thing I can think of is that he's openly wanted to try and find a way to resign because he despises Donald Trump. He despises conservatives. He despises the Republican Party that he feels has turned against him, just like uh, McCain or I'm sorry, out of uh, Liz Cheney, just like Liz Cheney, that was booted out of the Republican Party in the state of Wyoming with near 60% of the county parties disowning her because she was not a Trump supporter, because she was not really Republican in any way, shape, or form. The state of Nebraska and Republicans in Nebraska have essentially done the same thing to him. There's been multiple news stories of county parties disowning him, of questioning him, of calling him out on his rhino-isms and his lack of Republicanism, and he's probably just had enough of it. And he's been working on his way out. And while the Republican Party has gone further to the support of Donald Trump or the MAGA movement or conservatism or just general constitutionalism, he didn't quite fit in and he didn't want to be the flip-flopper in a state like Nebraska that's predominantly Republican and very rural overall with ag uh, in agriculture and farmers and everything of that sort. He didn't quite fit in. So, of course, he's got to work his way out. And lo and behold, he has to leave the U.S. Senate in Washington, D.C. to go work for academia and the state of florida as the president for the university of florida which i'm sure he will fit in very nicely there so guess what that's another check mark that you and i can say that we've accomplished in ridding out these rhinos that are not republican and again i don't want all republicans to feel the same way we are not the party of the top down democrat party the dnc tells everybody what to do and they just blindly go along with it that's not what we're about as republicans And we pride ourselves on that. However, when you fight against Republican bills that are limiting government, that are lowering taxes, that are deregulating, that are getting rid of government intrusion, that are focusing on the private sector, you know, the basic Republican platform, when you're fighting against those things, then the best place for you may not be Washington, D.C. or under the Republican umbrella. So now we can check that one off the list as well, just like we did with Liz Cheney. Just like we did with Jeff Flake out of Arizona, just like we're doing it with Lisa Murkowski, just like we're doing it with Susan Collins, just like we're doing it with Mitt Romney, that we're checking every single one of these off the list one by one by one and pat yourself on the back. Because that is a great accomplishment. I thought that was going to be one that we'd have a stickler in our side for a while as the party continues to move further to the right and back to reason and common sense. I like to start off the show with good news there, and I think that's the good news of the day as we get into our latest in What's Trending. What's Trending Andy, today? Andy, what's so good news about that? Well, the good news is that the MAGA crowd is growing. The conservative party is growing. The Republican party is bringing conservatives back in. And hopefully we can work to get libertarians and the other limited government minded individuals back into the Republican party to rebrand the party back to where it was intended to be, which means we're going to have a very angry Democrat party on the other side of the aisle. Are we not? They already say that the MAGA crowd is the domestic terrorists of the nation. They already say that we're the most extreme political organization in the history of the United States. Not the KKK that was under the branch of the Democrats. (laughs) Not uh, Black Lives Matter that literally burnt down cities. Not Antifa that was a branch of the party. And the vice president of the Democrat National Committee literally took a picture with the Antifa handbook on how to destroy cities to the ground. No, no, not those guys. Those guys aren't the radical ones. It's MAGA individuals it's donald trump it's the republicans that cling on to your guns and your bibles you are the radical ones and guess what we are growing and the democrats are in panic which is why 
we've seen the latest headline from the Biden administration that came out of nowhere. Can we be honest? No one was talking about this issue, at least at the federal level. States have been. There's more states that are discussing it. But the federal level has bigger fish to fry, so to speak. We have an economy where, according to the latest national poll, near 60% of Americans see the economy as the number one issue of the day going into Election Day. They're not focused on economic issues because they can't focus on economic issues. Instead, they're focused on buying off the new generation of voters. My generation and the generation behind me, the millennials and the what, what's behind us, the Gen Zs, I don't even know what the generation is called behind. I, I honestly don't know. But they're focusing on them after the announcement for the student loan forgiveness program that, of course, has been the focus and focal point for the Democrats as of the last week or so. But now, according to CNBC and the breaking news story of the day, is Joe Biden is now set to pardon all prior federal offenses of simple marijuana possession across the nation. Oh, yes, we have now gone to the marijuana discussion, which, I mean, think of what you want about marijuana. I mean, honestly, I agree with them in this move to just get rid of the federal offenses on this for straight possession of marijuana, unless you have, of course, large amounts of it. That's another discussion. But to start working on limiting the punishments for marijuana probably needs to be done. It's definitely been outdated. The war on drugs hasn't worked very well, and we can discuss that issue at a later time. But according to CNBC News, more than 6,500 individuals with prior convictions for simple marijuana possession will be impacted by the pardons. As he goes on to say, additional to the pardons, they've been instructed by the Secretary of Health and Human Services and Attorney General Merrick Garland to begin reviewing how marijuana is classified under federal drug laws. Quote from Biden. The federal government currently classifies marijuana as a Schedule One substance, the same as heroin and LSD, and more serious than fentanyl, and it makes no sense. The way the Republican Party's evolved on this topic, I would have to agree, and I'm sure that most of the Republican Party agrees as well. But here's the larger question. I don't want to get into necessarily the conversation about marijuana, should it or should it not be. That's another discussion for another time that we don't have time for today. I think... A large portion of the population, both parties along both sides of the aisle, agree that maybe we should have a deeper discussion about marijuana. That's not where I want to go. My question to you is for the younger generation, and I know you listen because I've seen the ratings for this program, and we have a very large younger demographic that usually doesn't listen to talk radio. So thank you for that. Here's my question to you, younger demographic. How gullible are you? My wife says I'm gullible. And I don't mean gullible on like really important stuff. Obviously, we have our values on what we stand for and what we don't stand for and what we believe in and don't believe in. I'm talking, I'm gullible in the sense of I watch a TV ad and all of a sudden, yeah, baby, I really want some of that pizza. That looks really good to me. You know what? We should go get some pizza. That sounds really good. Out of the blue, Tiffany, my wife, Andy, you are way too gullible. You need to stop that. You are way too impressionable. You see a commercial and you just want that. You know what? It sounds really good. Let's go ahead and do that. So I am personable. I get it. I am gullible in that sense. I get it. But how gullible are the younger generations and younger voters now? Because Joe Biden's showing a little bit of the panic. He's showing a little bit of the paranoia. He's showing a little bit of the desperation. Joe, you might want to cover up your desperation showing. While the last two weeks you focused on the student loan forgiveness program and you focused on now marijuana. 
two issues that they think in their mind is the important issues of the younger generation. Again, trying to ignore from the economic issues, but wanting to say, hey, you know what, if you have marijuana, we really don't want to come after you. This is, by the way, going to open up the Pandora's box for other states that haven't quite gotten on board with the pot issue to get on board with the pot issue because they didn't want to violate federal law. But how gullible are you? Because this is not a move done to just make the country better. This is specifically a move to buy off that generation. So that way, that generation, the early 20s, late 20s, going into the millennial generation at the early 30s, they come back and say, you know, that Joe Biden guy, he may not know of who he was talking to. He may have tried to shake hands with the Easter Bunny, but by golly, he got rid of student loan debt for me and he got rid of pot laws so we could smoke the marijuana. If that is the level of what you're going to win, be won over to be able to vote for an election, then I truly feel sorry because I think that we're a little bit deeper than that. I think most voters, at least the ones that don't watch 15-second campaign ads on TV, and are like, well, that guy's a really great guy or that guy's a really bit of a jerk. Uh, the, uh, outside of those individuals, the younger generation, I'm hoping, is going to see through this and say, yeah, while that might be a good policy, doesn't mean I'm going to vote for you. This is something that should have been done a long time ago, and you're not going to buy off my vote just by removing my student loans and giving me marijuana. <laughs> just because we're high on pot does not mean that I'm going to vote for Joe Biden and the Democrats. It's not going to work. How gullible are the young generations? How gullible are the young voters, maybe the first-time voters this year? And is this going to be enough to win them over? I'm sure it's going to win some over. I'm sure it's going to win a lot of the young generation over. Hopefully, we can continue to win them over on our side, showing that we also support this and we have for a while because we support limited government. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Bring some reason into your day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out with us today for a pre-Friday celebration. The good news, we're seeing Republicans weak uh, and start to work out those rhino establishment hacks that have been disrupting and corrupting the Republican Party for a very long time. On the other front, we're seeing the Democrats. I've noticed, and maybe you've noticed this in your state as well, the, the Democrat Party... And this election has changed their tactics tenfold compared to what they've done in the past. They are not campaigning in many areas, in many states. They are not campaigning as liberal, crazy, socialist Democrats. They're not. They believe that stuff. They want that stuff. But they're not campaigning that way. In fact, they're campaigning as if they were Republicans. The marijuana thing, I'll I'll kind of give to them. They've been on that side for a while. The Democrats have been wanting to do it for a while. Conservatives and Republicans have slowly gotten on board with it, although there have been a lot of holdouts here in the state of Kansas where I'm at. A lot of Republicans still don't want any type of marijuana discussion for recreational or medicinal in any way, shape, or form. And I, I honestly think that's kind of... Uh, it's not going to last very much longer. They kind of have to get on board because we have Oklahoma, we have Missouri, we have Colorado, we have Nebraska, literally all surrounding us as a sandwich in Kansas. So, of course, I think they're going to have to start adapting to that, whether they want to or not, just my personal opinion. I'm not saying I agree with it or not, just saying just looking at the reality, I think it's going to have to happen. But Republicans have been slowly getting on board with the marijuana thing and really starting to buy into the, you know, Maybe it shouldn't be as a level one classification because that's just kind of crazy, but maybe states that should be handling this and maybe we should do this in a better way is the less government, 
and uh, the limited government-minded individuals that we are when it comes to certain issues. Democrats were on board for this one for first, but all the other issues now, if you've noticed and you listen to the campaign ads from many Democrats, they're campaigning as conservative Republicans. They're campaigning on tax cuts. They're campaigning on getting the economy back on track. They're campaigning on getting the private sector going. They're campaigning on getting small business up and going again. They're running as Republicans. Now, for most of the time, and you've noticed this in your campaigns across your states as well, that for the primaries, every party goes to the extreme right and the extreme left to try and win over their base. And they that's their goal is let's win over the heart of the party, the Republican and the Democrat, and go to the extremes. Then for the general election, let's go to the middle and try and win over the independents and the undecideds on there and not look like a super crazy individual. I get that. But again, I can give you the example of the state that I reside in here in Kansas. Our Democrat governor, our current Democrat governor is now campaigning on tax cuts on sales, uh, uh, the food sales tax that we have, a 6.5% sales tax on food, which is absolutely ridiculous, and we're only one of like six or seven states that still have that. She's vetoed the bill twice as governor over the last four years, and she voted against it multiple times as a state senator. What is she doing now? Well, she spent millions upon millions upon millions of dollars in our state trying to win re-election, and she's still down by one or two points in the polls. So she's coming out and slashing taxes and wants an immediate cut of the sales tax on food. She wants a tax break for those trying to get school supplies. She wants tax breaks for senior citizens now. She's never ran on those things. But all of a sudden, hey, you know what I want? I want tax breaks for you. Other states are seeing the same type of campaign from Democrats because Democrat policies are obviously showing a ruin and a destruction in society, whether at the local level or at the federal level. And they recognize that. So what do Democrats do? They lie through their teeth. They campaign as if they're Mr. Conservative and Mrs. Conservative, and they're going to try and get the private sector back on track. And they're there for you. And we're going to leave you alone. And we're going to deregulate to let you live your life. And they try and run this campaign to win you over. And when they get up there, they vote for the absolute opposite, and they side with the AOCs and the Nancy Pelosi's and every other hack that's up there that's under a big D name in Washington, D.C. But they're changing their tactics, and they have to change their tactics because they're so unpopular, and they've been so destructive and been so inefficient that... If they campaigned on what they really wanted, it would be, hey, do you like the way things are going right now? Because that's what you'll get and worse if you continue to allow us to be in power and be in charge. So they have to change. And the only way they know how to change is make it look like the more appealing ideas that are the Republican Party. We're winning. We just have to expose them for what they really are. Lots more coming up after the break. Stay here. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio, you're listening to The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Darn right it is. Welcome back into the program on the last half hour here on the home stretch Ray pre-Friday celebration. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Multiple radio stations all over the place. Radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting, however you watch or listen to the show. What up? Welcome in. Thanks for hanging out with us as always. Trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that 5-pound bag. Trying to rebrand the millennial generation one radio listener at a time and we've covered a lot of ground today already the changing of 
politics from the Democrats in election time is a fascinating one to me. We'll get back into that here in just a minute. But when was there, I want you to think back, and again, I'm 33 being a millennial. I didn't get to experience some of these things. However, for those that maybe remember some of these, when was the last time that we really, truly, honestly had compromise? had bipartisanship, had working together. And I'm not talking about singing, you know, holding hands, singing Kumbaya, because I doubt that very ever happened in politics, even all the way back when. But when was there a time when we could actually say, you know, we both understand we're working towards the same goal at the end of the day. We just have different ways of doing it. How can we find a way to work together? Or has there ever been a time like that at all in American politics? Let's get into that with our latest in What's Trending. What's trending today? And really happy to have this guy on the program. He is a documentary creator. He's an author. His latest book, Titan of the Senate, Orrin Hatch, and the Once and Future Golden Age of Bipartisanship. Excited to have on the program with us here at Mr. William Doyle. William, how are you, my friend? Hi, Andy. I'm doing great. Thanks. It's wonderful to be with you. Yeah, it's great to have you on the show. I really appreciate you. I am excited to chat about this because when we see the world of politics today, you're either part of the MAGA movement, which is apparently the most extreme political ideology in American history, or you're a crazy left-wing socialist, or you're a moderate hack that one party or the other wants to rid uh, themselves of because we don't like to get along. When has there been a time, William, where we could actually get along and get things done because we understand that we're all moving in the right direction? Well, you've painted a beautiful, colorful picture of American politics, <laughs> and uh, and, it's, and a scary one too. I think it's it's really it's really true. Um, today, I think the reality is that the vast vast majority of Democrats and Republicans, rank and file Americans, how many of them? Are there? There's thirty three hundred million of us or so uh, adults. That is, I think most of us are very rational, reasoned, open minded people. Who look at issues and personalities and make our own judgment on a fairly independent basis. I think polls reflect that, uh, the more sensitive and deeper polls. And um, But social media and the nightly news certainly does not. But, you know, my book, uh, Titan of the Senate, explores the career of the longest-serving Republican senator in American history, Arne Hatch of Utah, who died earlier this year. And actually, I interviewed him extensively for my book. And, you know, on the one hand, he was a very, very strong conservative. No one had stronger conservative credentials than he did. He basically created or shaped the modern Supreme Court more than any other lawmaker. He was uh, Ronald Reagan's kind of faithful executor of the whole Reagan agenda in the 80s. But uh, the paradox is that Orrin Hatch also passed more laws than any other senator of post-Watergate post, uh, Vietnam eras. Sure. Now, how do you do that? Because in order to pass laws, by definition, you've got to work with Democrats if you're a Republican. And I realized that um, he was the most effective senator of his age, as, not according to me, but according to a uh, bipartisan think tank. And I thought, I've got to find out more about this person because he rose... He started off as a totally unknown Salt Lake City trial attorney who was never in the local papers in Salt Lake City until the day he announced the run for the Senate. And he, 42 years later, the only job he ever had after that, he retired as the number three person in line to the presidency as president pro tem of the Senate. The man who was given 
standby authority to launch nuclear weapons during the Trump Obama Trump inaugural uh, event in 2017. So it's an amazing kind of rise to power. But what he often did was he would leap over the ideological fence and do big legislation with people like Ted Kennedy, which drove some conservatives and Republicans completely crazy, but in my opinion, represented real courage, because the things they worked together on were incredibly important and beneficial to the mass of Americans. Well, it almost seemed like it was about the issue on, hey, there's an issue here, we need to address it. It wasn't, well, I'm going to go with just what the party's telling me to do here and, and just kind of a partisan thing. But, hey, you know what, you guys you know, you know, guys may have an actually good idea on some issues. Let's work together on this regardless of what our party affiliation is. Let's just get something done because it needs to be done in order to fix the country. And it seems like that was the mindset that we've kind of lost today and that he had back then. Well, I think uh, we should start rewarding politicians and candidates on their basis, not only how good they are at tearing each other down, uh, which I think will always happen in politics, that's kind of a normal thing, but their ability to work with everyone to get great things done for the country. A perfect example of that is 1990, in the summer, uh, Ted Kennedy and Orrin Hatch championed a American, the Americans with Disabilities Act which re-engineered, re-architected the American nation, and later, much of the world, because a lot of the world passed similar legislation, to honor the um, the rights of disabled Americans with, you know, curb cuts and elevate, special elevators and closed captioning and non and non-discrimination and employment. If this was the greatest civil rights act since the 1960s, disability rights activists called it our Emancipation Proclamation. And Orrin Hatch um, was on the Senate floor one day in the summer of 1990. And I have all the uh, behind-the-scenes action from people who were in the cloakroom, in the hallway, and in the conference rooms nearby. As this piece of legislation was getting shot to pieces and about to die on the Senate floor, and one man had the power to rescue it, and that was conservative Republican Orrin Hatch. And he got on the Senate floor uh, and with a passion that is uh, absolutely inspiring when you see this. He, said, he uh, rolled up his sleeves and he rescued the Americans with Disabilities Act. If it wasn't for him, according to disabilities uh, advocates, it might never have happened. So yeah. that's a good example of what you were just talking about. Yeah, no, absolutely. We're talking with William Doyle, author of the book Titan of the Senate, Orrin Hatch in the Once and Future Golden Age of Bipartisanship. We can find William on the Tweety at William Doyle NYC as well. Let's talk about third parties for a second and and his thoughts on third parties. But obviously, we have a two-party system here in the nation. A lot of people don't like it. Every election, it seems like there's a little bit more of a push for an independent candidate, a libertarian candidate, a constitutionalist candidate. But when it comes to trying to work together in the, in the age of politics today, is that the future of American politics? Or is it trying to revamp the old school ways of the party to be able to work across the aisle and get things done? Well, you know, it will only happen if American voters and you know, town halls and local politicians and uh, people on the Internet, if they start rewarding uh, courage and courage uh, on, on behalf, on, with our leaders. And sometimes courage can mean fighting your own party occasionally, sure. pointing out that they're on the wrong track. That we that that there's a new way of looking at things. You know what the secret to Orrin Hatch 
was so this is sort of the rosebud moment of my of my book where you know it all comes together. There was another senator, and I interviewed many senators who worked with him. I went to the Senate Historian's Office and went through ten thousand plus pages of research in you know raw research in the Senate files. And one day, uh, it all became clear to me when Senator Gordon Smith, a fellow Mormon uh, senator who worked with Hatch a lot, said to me, you know, Bill, you know what the secret to Aaron Hatch is? He said, Aaron Hatch saw the nobility in his opponents. He saw his opponents as noble. And I thought, I, ne- I never, never hear that in America today. And maybe the key to uh, the, our future should be our willingness, number one, to admit that we're wrong sometimes. Number two, to admit that people on the other side of our strong opinion may not be demons worthy of slaughter in the political battlefield. You know, they're, they're communists, they're Marxists, they're Nazis, they're fascists. That may not be true. They may be honest, loving, reasoned, law-abiding American citizens who happen to disagree with us strongly on whatever issue it is. And once you think of your opponents as noble or uh, capable of nobility, I think you can get a lot of great things done, like Aaron Hatch and Ted Kennedy did on disability rights, yeah. children's health insurance, HIV/AIDS funding, which they pushed through Congress very in a very uh, difficult struggle with legislation that today, Andy, benefits half a million Americans with uh, research and treatment and education and care. Um, and eight regional super hospitals for HIV/AIDS patients, and it's the poor patients that this legislation helps. Uh, sometimes the federal government can do good things, especially when conservative Republicans get involved and make sure that it can be paid for, that it's sufficient, and that it's often run through the states or the governors as block grants rather than a whole new federal bureaucracy. Yeah, well, that is very true. Well, you said something that nowadays we never see, which is a politician apologizing, because nowadays that's political suicide if one actually apologizes. we got about 30 seconds here before we have to let you go. But in the divisiveness that we're seeing today, do you think we can ever get back to that type of working across the aisle and getting things done together? I think it can happen tomorrow. If there's one thing that Barack Obama, Donald Trump uh, uh, showed us, it's that people can come completely out of left field stand up and start talking and inspire much of the country to follow them. Whether or not you agree or disagree with them, I think that opens up the landscape for uh, hundreds or thousands of young Americans, military veterans, you name it, to come in and roll up their sleeves and stop the madness of politics that has become and get the great things done for our country. And get it done. I love it. Titan of the Senate is the book. Go and check it out. William Doyle. William, I appreciate the time very much, my friend. Would love to get you back on again soon. Great. Thank you, Andy. Appreciate it. Lots more coming up on The Voice of Reason. Stay here. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. All right, it is. Welcome back into the show. Last few minutes of the program. Which means we're just about all said and done. Thanks again to William Doyle coming on the program. So when I hear the term compromise, when I hear the word bipartisanship, 
I got to be honest, being the millennial that I am, not living through that time era a whole lot, I kind of cringe a little bit. I shiver just a little bit. The uh, what did what did what was that Keith Olbermann? He was like the shiver went down my leg as he was talking about Barack Obama. Like that's the not a good way though. Mine's like the shiver up the spine. I'm like, oh my, what's going to happen when we talk about bipartisanship and or compromise? That is a concern to me, and I think about why. I have that type of response, that emotional response when I hear the word compromise or bipartisanship, because in theory, that's supposed to be a great thing. The great compromise that happened all the way back when in this nation, the compromises that we've had on major pieces of legislation that has been the uh, the ground, the ground level for so many things that we do now here in the nation, good and bad, that compromise is where it's supposed to be. Tell me that you never compromise with your significant other in some way, shape, or form. That's supposed to be a good thing, that you compromise with your spouse. Not with your children, because then you're more of a friend than you are a parent, so I can't really use that as an example. You get the point uh, with your spouse. But when I hear compromise, when I hear working together, when I hear uh, bipartisanship at the federal level, I get a bit of a tingle up the spine and the hair on my arm goes up because I get a little scared. And I realize it's because of two things that are completely different from the time of Orrin Hatch uh, being in that position and working with Ronald Reagan and working with Ted Kennedy and working with all those in, in other individuals is that there are two things that have changed dramatically. And I'm going to disagree with William Doyle for just a moment here, just slightly, in the fact that he's right that in the time of Barack Obama, that's a very smooth talker, in the time of Donald Trump that came in and just created an entire new movement, one of the largest movements in this nation, there's also something different about this time. And while, yes, someone can come up and be that new trend setter, that new leader that people are going to follow, there's also two separate things right now that are very difficult to break through. And that's number one, the Republican Party, while we're working to better ourselves, which is why we just celebrated at the beginning of the program the outing of Ben Sass out of the state of Nebraska, being the hack rhino that he is. While we parade that, and again, you have to remember the difference. Andy, you just talked about compromise and working together. Yeah, there's a difference between identifying as a Republican because you truly believe in Republican values and then saying you're Republican and then fighting against Republican values as the Republican and fighting against the head of the Republican Party that overwhelmingly the vast majority of Republicans want as the current leader of the Republican Party that is right now Donald Trump. There's a big difference there. But there's things that have changed in the times of compromise. Number one is the Republican Party has lost its ability to stand up for itself. And Orrin Hatch, I think, was one that was able to do that. There were some back in the day that were able to do it. And just like the Democrat Party, the Republican Party itself on a national grandstand level has had a very hard time getting with the times and understanding what the constituents want. They fought Ronald Reagan tooth and nail back when he was trying to get the presidency. They fought Donald Trump to the point where Donald Trump won and the party that was still in the majority in Congress, which was the Republican Party, fought against Donald Trump during the first two years of the administration and blocked him from getting things done and working on the agenda. They fought against him. They didn't realize that he was starting such a movement within the party and through the American people and the Republican parties just as much to blame as the Democrats on that front because they're a little bit of a slow learner on understanding what the constituents really want. That's number one. So Republican Party, grow a spine, grow a pair, and stand up for your values. And while we can differ within the party on issues, and we don't have our top-down orders being sent to us, we still hold solid Republicans' conservative values. 
limited government, less taxes, less regulation, individual freedom, focus on the private sector, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The second part is that we would love to compromise and work across the aisle, I think. Most people, I think, want to be able to be bipartisan and work across the aisle. The problem is, though, back in the day, we had a party that actually understood that America was great, that we were still the greatest nation on the face of the earth. And while we had different approaches of making America even more great, we understood that at the end of the day, we were going towards the same goalposts. The difference today is that the Democrat Party is so far radical, they literally say they despise the country. They literally say they're not proud of the country unless their agenda is implemented, which is to reverse American values, which is to shred the Constitution. That's a little bit of a different stance than what the Kennedys took back in the day. A little bit different than the political landscape back then. The party on the Democrat side has become more radical, and the Republican Party has become scared of its own shadow. And between those two, it's made it difficult to work across the aisle to get anything done effectively, efficiently, and pro-American. Something to ponder there. Back at it tomorrow for a Friday. Until then, be your own voice of reason. This is The Voice of Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.